I want to say how great it is that we have a future again, a real one. And it's going to be a great one. I really believe that. And not just for me and Tyson or Ryan and Celine, but for everybody. The Mall Rats United, we will never be defeated. Yeah. So welcome to Series 2, Episode 49 of Conversations on Eagle Mountain, a podcast about the tribe. I'm your host, Lance, and joining me on the podcast panel today is Sabine. Hi. Colin. Howdy. And Liz. Hello. With episode notes done by Matt and myself. So Series 2, Episode 49, the screenplay was done by Charles Hodges. It was directed by both John Callan and John Reed. And the episode synopsis were read out by Sabine. A remorseful Patsy seeks answers from Trudy. Alice goes looking for Ebony and finds trouble instead, while Celine and Ryan feel very differently about the start of their married life. Before we start, has anyone seen that d- double direction, by the way? I've never seen that before. Mm. Yeah, I noticed that too. I was like, wait, 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 am I looking at something wrong? Why are there two directors? And it's like an odd episode to uh, have it. It's not like two different production blocks kind of thing. It's like, it's, I know, it's weird. Right, right. Or maybe um, there's always been a second unit director, but this is the first time they're getting credit. Yeah, it could be. Mm. That would not surprise me. <laughs> <laughs> Any sign of her? Nothing. We looked all along the waterline. There's no way she's alive. Good. Praise Zook. Zook be praised. All right, so let's kick off with the cliffhanger. So after scanning the waterfront himself and confirming with the chosen members that they have seen no sign of Ebony, the Guardian finally reasons that she must be dead. However, he doesn't want to leave any loose ends and orders Patsy's capture in case she tells the Morats. This leads to Patsy being chased across the docks, but she somehow manages to evade all the chosen before they're called back by the Guardian. So yeah, two areas of thoughts here, panel. Um, what did you make of the Guardian in this opening scene? And how did you initially interpret Patsy's reaction here? Did you feel that it was fright at realising what being with the Chosen could actually mean? Or do you think there wasn't much empathy then? It was simply her own safety that she was concerned with? Well, first off, you know, the Guardian standing there, it was just brilliant. Sure, I'm biased on this, but yeah, I don't know. Just, you know, seeing him there and his responses to everything, he seemed so much scarier than he ever had before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think that, and that's obviously what they were going for. So that was quite well done. Because that man is terrifying. As for him, you know, deciding to go after Patsy, that's... Yeah, I get why he doesn't want any loose ends, but Patsy was handpicked by Trudy, so it shows that the Guardian has in no way any, you know, respect or trust in her choices of people to to do things for her. That's true, yeah. That's what I got from it. Um, there were two things I picked up from his opening scene. Mm-hmm. This is the first sign we've gotten that he's letting his overconfidence um, get in the way because he's so powerful that he's managed to accomplish so much and get his chosen to do so many things without question. That This is his first real misstep because they don't double tap. They don't um, verify that she's really dead. All they can say is they haven't seen her resurface. And it's like, she could be under the docks. She could be under Mm -hmm. the water away. You guys can't walk away from that and be like, she's dead for sure. Like, what are you, a James Bond villain? Like, come on, confirm the kill here. So I I do feel like it's the first sign that 
Joffrey's become so overconfident in being able to achieve these things that he's like, yep, yeah, she's gone. We got, we did what we attempted to do. And it's, yeah, his first big slip up. And uh, the fact that he tells him to go after Patsy when he knows for a fact that this is Trudy's agent speaks to him not trusting Trudy entirely or her choices. Because yeah. otherwise, why shouldn't he be like, don't worry, she's one of us, let her go. You know what I mean? The fact that he wants to verify Patsy for himself and see what she saw and what she thinks of it and what she might say when he should know she's just going to report back to Trudy. That's what she's supposed to do. Yes, because he doesn't fully trust Trudy can handle her end of this and also speaks to his need to be in full control of all of this. Mm -hmm. And probably represents the fact that even though I do think he enjoys punishing and testing Trudy the way he is by keeping her from her daughter, there is that sense of, I hate that she's not under my control, you know? Because when they're together, we see that he resents any control Trudy has whatsoever and wants to nip it in the bud. So um, that's what his opening scene says to me. As for Patsy... I do think she's terrified. I think it's, uh, she's terrified both for what she just saw and realized what the Chosen... She's been told the Chosen aren't frightening. She's been told they're not scary. She's been told she shouldn't be afraid of them and that they're going to bring peace, love, and rainbows to the city. And then she sees this violent act that she wasn't supposed to. Like Again, she thoughtlessly obeyed Trudy's orders to draw Ebony out and never thought about what that meant, what was going to happen to her, and then she saw it And this was not what she imagined. It terrified her to think that this is what the Chosen do to people. And um, it's the opposite of what Trudy's been filling her head with. But I also think there is a selfish fear, too. Just scared that they'll come after her next. Because, again, if Trudy wasn't being honest about what the Chosen do, then how can she trust that she's safe with the Chosen? Mm. You know? So, of course, her instinct is to run from them. Because, holy crap, they just murked someone. She may not like Ebony, she may not trust her, but she's a child who didn't want to see someone die, you know? It's terrifying. Yeah, there, there's that. But, and there's also that part of her, you know, that just feels, if they can do that to someone like Ebony, then what on earth can they do to her? You know, if, if getting rid of Ebony was that easy for them, then, yeah, yeah she, she stands no chance. I did really have to laugh at, Patsy hiding in a trash can once again. <laughs> Though, because that seems her go-to place for hiding. She's on the run. She jumps into the trash. I just love the fact that that Chosen he was so uninvested in his job that he <laughs> barely looked in there. Like, Patsy had just slipped in. And at most, she might have been able to put something on top of herself. But come on, dude. All you had to do was actually look and you would have seen that there's a person in there. He didn't want to do this job. He didn't feel like chasing after this kid. And it just the lack of investment. Like, terrible job. Terrible job, guys. The fabric of her outfit is still hanging on the outside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's not here. I looked, man, okay? She's not here. Can we go home? It's clear he wasn't one of the brighter recruits. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, like, like you mentioned, um, Spin, Jaffa was scary in this scene. Uh, I'd mm-hmm. be on my A game <laughs> if he told me to search. I'd be mm-hmm. searching. Like, yeah, exactly. He was scary. So, <laughs> so this must have been a very, very stupid chosen guard. You know, <laughs> that's just a, bra- a brainless minion right there. That's what happens when you're told to follow orders but never to think. 
Yeah. No, but even then, the, the guard should have just known that if you don't do what Jaffa wants, you're going to end up dead. So you'd think at least that would inspire him to actually search for the person Jaffa once found. Right, yeah. <laughs> it could be just another scene that falls victim to just the way they filmed it, you know, because that was directed like that. This kid was directed to not actually lift this lid and truly look inside where he would have clearly seen Cassie. He's simply just not supposed to find her. So once again, the filming fails what the storytelling is supposed to be. Because like it makes perfect sense what you guys are saying. This kid should be looking within an inch of his life to find her. Just because he knows. Even if it's like either he truly believes in Zoot and Zoot's mission, Zoot need, I need to find her because of my lord. Or if he's just afraid that he'll be next on the chopping block if he does if he disobeys or fails Jaffa. He should look like he's searching. So it's like the direction or the the filming of that, it's it just falls flat because it looks like he just didn't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I'm just considering this now, but what Jaffa really needed, who he really needed to recruit way back when, was KC because KC would have found her in a split second. It was filmed quite badly actually because she was she was like literally two seconds away from them, like she's in her big dress. Are they like how can they not caught her? It was a bit silly. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, at least, you know, they could have had her crawling through something that they couldn't fit through or something, you know? Yeah. Even that would have made more sense. With the wedding celebrations in full swing back at the mall, Lex makes a speech and thanks Alice for being there, saying that it means a lot to both him and Tai San. He then shares his positive outlook for the future, now that the Morats are united again. And this is all to Trudy's manic grin in the background. Um... So yeah, panel, what did you think of Lex's speech here? And obviously the impending cloud of doom that's about to fall on them all. Oh, sweet, sweet boy. Anytime Lex is feeling positive about the future, it's always very obvious that that future is doomed. (laughs) Why did I do that to this guy? (laughs) It's it's becoming a team. He's not allowed to be optimistic about anything. <laughs> it's just so yeah. nice to see Lex so positive. He's like, he's happy. Yeah. Everything's going well. It's, like... it's this nice evidence of how it's speaking to his state of mind. He's genuinely happy at this point in his life. He's genuinely in love. And, you know, he put himself out there. And instead of life continuing to punish him, instead of life telling him, sorry, you don't deserve anything nice, life rewarded him. And it's, it's given him a chance to see things through the lens of gray or amber. You know what I mean? See that silver lining. Life can be good. It can be beautiful. And, uh, yeah, like, it is really nice to see him that way. It's a shame he'll be kicked in the teeth, you know, in a day. But um, and it, it is a running theme for poor Lex. <laughs> like, I don't know why they keep doing it to him. Because Lex loves those speeches, and then life doesn't. Life laughs at him. <laughs> Listen, I think Trudy has gone through so much traumatic events that I think she has split personalities sometimes. So I think there's a part of her that's waiting for her friends to die <laughs> and waiting for revenge of, of everything that's happened. But then there's like, a, I don't know, it's kind of like Two-Faced. There's an, and then there's like another side of her that's, you know, she, this is her family still, you know, so she has some type of sentimental feelings for them. But um, yeah, I can see it both ways. Ah, it's just he has that perfect look of doom 
everything just works. The the wicked smile, <laughs> the makeup. It's the one time where I can't argue if someone said that Trudy is about to enjoy her friend's downfall. <laughs> mm-hmm. This smile, like she's surrounded by the people she is supposed to care about, even if she has her resentments towards them, and that's totally fair for her to have them. You know, most of the time, I would argue that Trudy just hasn't allowed herself to think of what's going to happen to her friends, okay? So seeing her smile in this moment to Lex's speech about life going well for the Mallrats and then never being defeated, where that smile says, oh, you're about to be defeated, and she's happy about it, I, I, I can't argue with someone who says she's liking this, she's enjoying this. I don't yeah. know if it's on the level of more of just a petty revenge. Like, just seeing her friends lose and then assuming her friends will get on board after losing and being humbled. But it's still messed up and really creepy that this is how far she's been pushed. That the idea of her friend's downfall, her family's destruction, makes her smile. Right now, Trudy is why they can't have nice things. (laughs) She just severely lacks a a lime-colored spotlight like a proper villain. Actually, that makes a, a big point. Do you, do you think it is slightly revenge at Lex that why she's grinning so bad? Like if, if someone say, if Bray had made that speech, yeah. would it have been the same, do you think? Would have been different. No. I don't know. Different. I really don't know. I, I can't, mm. don't know if this is just an all-encompassing sort of thing or if she would have reacted differently to it being Bray up there giving the same speech. You know, I, I don't know. I can't guess on that. No, I, I honestly think it, it could have been different if Bray had given that speech because, you know, her real fight is with mainly everyone. Bray is the first one she'll try to save out of all of these people. But I do think there would have been a small difference there. But it being Lex, it's just, you know, she went away with the Chosen to save Lex. And with the way... Lex always frame, frames it. If it hadn't been for him, Suit would have still been alive. She would have never been in this whole sh- to begin with. But if so much of this is just uh, that kind of desire to get revenge, even again, in her mind, she thinks it's more of a petty revenge. Mm-hmm. In season three, when you see her reaction to the reality and realizing that, oh, like at first she's sort of like indulging in it. Like, being the one who's the most important and talking down to her friends and then realizing that when they don't fall in line, that means they will be killed. Only then does it really hit Trudy, like, this isn't what I wanted. Sure, I wanted my friends to fall on their face because they hurt me, they let me down, they made Mm -hmm. me feel like garbage, but I didn't want it to be like this. I didn't think about what would actually happen to them if they didn't just fall in line. You know, and uh, so that smile. Yeah, you guys are going to fall flat on your face, but it's just so messed up. because It's like, Trudy, they're going to do more than fall on their face, honey. You know? Yeah, but I think in that moment, she's just thinking like, oh, you think everything's fine now? Yeah, just just you wait, because in a bit, you'll be at my knees, at my mercy. That's, at least to me, it feels like that's what she's... You know, considering when she's watching this and smiling like that. But, yeah, I just can't argue with someone if they say, from this scene alone, Trudy's enjoying this. I can't argue with them for Mm -hmm. it, you know. Well, uh, thanks. 
another one? I don't think so. Celine, maybe this isn't such a good idea. Why? Because I'm a married woman now? Yeah, that for one thing. You think I've made a terrible mistake, don't you? No, of course not. Yes, you do. And you know what? You're absolutely... Celine, stop this! Stop what? You know what I'm talking about, and I want you to stop it, okay? I'm sorry. Thanks for the dance. Meanwhile, an insistent May tries to encourage Celine to tell Ryan about the baby, but she doesn't want to talk about it. Later, Celine dances with Bray and starts to tell him that she's made a mistake. And Bray quickly shuts her down and backs off. So yeah, panel, I know you're sick of it, but <laughs> how did you feel about Celine making a move on Bray at her own wedding? Completely healthy. Holy Completely healthy. Cow. Nothing wrong with this. <laughs> no. I mean, I get that her hormones are rushing everywhere with her being pregnant, but come on, Celine, even you should know better. Ugh. Just, ugh. There's no excuse. No one hurt. I actually have a controversial opinion here. I don't think oh. she's... No, no, just hear me out. Hear me out. Um, I, I agree with Liz. <laughs> I haven't even said it, but thank you for the support, <laughs> Okay. I, I honestly don't think that she was going to admit to having made a mistake. And this is why. Okay? Um, like, it's set up like that. And obviously, she's very happy to be dancing with Bray. It's the only part of her wedding day where she's lit up genuinely because she's genuinely in love with him. Um, I feel like she was about to say, you know what, Bray, you're absolutely wrong. Because she says, you like, you think I made a mistake. I honestly think she was going to say he's wrong. Now she'd obviously be lying. But I think the reason she was going to lie about it is remember, Bray rejected her. He shut her down. That was humiliating to Celine. What do you do when you were humiliated by an ex or someone who didn't accept your come on. You want to convince them it didn't matter. You don't want them to know you're still pining for them. She doesn't want Bray to know that that hurt or that she still wants him because he didn't want her. And as Celine has already shown herself to be a liar who doesn't want people to see who she really is, the dark side of her, I think she was going to say, no, Bray, you're absolutely wrong. I'm thrilled just so he wouldn't know how she actually feels so that he wouldn't think She's still into him. But he didn't give her the chance. You know what I mean? He didn't give her her moment to back, you know, backtrack on the humiliation of her having come on to him. He took it from her. Because he was just like, I don't care what you're going to say. You're creeping me out. You know, my girlfriend's staring daggers into the side of my head. I don't want her to get any bad ideas about us. I want you away from me. I was trying to be nice. But I, I really don't think she was going to say, you're right. I made a mistake. I don't, I really, because then she once again is prostrating herself to a guy who already rejected her. I think she was going to be like, no, 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 everything's cool. You know, so she could play it off. Like what happened between them never actually really mattered and rewrite history again. But that's my controversial opinion. Yeah. I just can't agree with that. Fine. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sorry. There's no way I can agree with that. It's no. I mean, she's obviously still coming on to him. And you can see it in her eyes when she's dancing with him. All she's thinking is, oh, for a moment, can I maybe just pretend that I just married Bray? Mm -hmm. You know, it's she's just standing there imagining what if it would have been Bray instead. Maybe that's how she even got herself to say I do. 
all fair. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to argue on that. Like, she definitely wants to be with him. She wants to be dancing with him. Like I said, that's the first time she looks happy. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think she was going to try and pull back. And he took that from her. And she was doubly humiliated. She has to live with it now, you know. But, um, can I give kudos to, Ma- uh, to Danny, though? I like seeing Danny deal with her insecurity. But I love the fact that she's not turning it on Bray. Like, she sees and dance with, you know, Celine. And she's staring, which she has every right to do because she knows that this woman has no shame and has already tried to come on or assault her boyfriend. She knows that. Like, she has every reason not to trust Celine. But I love the way she talks herself down so she doesn't freak out and she's like, get a grip, Danny. And then she's just like, I'm going to make sure I dance near her because, yeah, I would be keeping an eye on Celine too. Let her know. I'm watching you. Mm -hmm. I don't trust you. But she doesn't ever look at Bray like, what are you doing? How dare you dance with her? Like, I was like, that's a step forward for Danny. (laughs) Well done, sweetie. Like, pointing your insecurities and your ire at the right person rather than taking it out on your boyfriend who hasn't done anything wrong. Mm. I was impressed with Danny's behavior. Well done. (laughs) Because I would have snatched that girl's weave so fast. (laughs) Oh, hell no. You are not dancing with my boy. I already know you. Your Honor, I would like to make my statement. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> oh, mighty suit. What have we gotten ourselves into? I would like to say that throughout this entire time, people have always slandered Celine, saying she has mental health issues, what's wrong with her, she does this, she does that, but yet no one ever blames why she's doing it. The reaction, what caused her to make that reaction. Nobody's talking about Bray kissing her at this at this given time, I thought that was highly inappropriate. A bray to kiss the bride to give her a kiss on the cheek. Why is that inappropriate? It's inappropriate. Why would you kiss her? That's because normal. people kiss the bride all the time. Even if that's the case, Bray shouldn't be doing that next to next to Danny and knowing how Celine <laughs> feels about him. So that's points against Bray. No. <laughs> you don't like anybody to have to take responsibility for their own actions. You always find someone else to blame it on. <laughs> will, when will Bray take responsibilities for his action? Why would he do that to a quote unquote what people like to call a mentally unstable person who clearly still has feelings for him? I mean, come on. We all know Bray. He's oblivious when it comes to mentally unstable women. This is true. I just don't think there was anything wrong. That's like saying that, oh, you wore the wrong dress, so you deserve to be assaulted by somebody. You should have known that you couldn't be safe around Mm. this person. I don't think he did anything wrong. You know what I mean? I've kissed a bride. I've kissed a groom at their wedding. Is there someone I care about and I'm happy for them and we're close? I don't think anything of that. You know, Um, I didn't think it was an inappropriate action I, I saw it as Bray trying to make peace with this friend who had done this and trying to let her know we're still cool, which is also why he accepts the dance. Mm-hmm. It's only when he feels she's taken it too far, he puts the kibosh, like, stop, stop, whatever you're doing, don't do this. I'm not doing this with you. I don't think he can be blamed for thinking he was no. giving her mixed, like, mixed messages or something. But that's just how I feel, like, no. like He could simply just not do it. Yeah, but again, that's like saying you shouldn't have gone to the party, you know, like you just should have yeah. stayed home because there was a possibility he is. to happen. Like, wait, how, no way. How are we on this topic? How are we blaming Bray for this? Come on, Celine, no, it's his not. fault. 
<laughs> Come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> No, she pulled him to her bosom. She was like, you're not going anywhere. Like, come on. <laughs> this is not his fault. I mean, Selena's acting clingier than Trudy ever did. And that's saying something. I guess it comes down to, uh, someone said something about mental illness. You may not be able to help the fact that you have a mental illness and how it affects you, but that doesn't mean that you're any less responsible for your behavior caused by your mental illness. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So... Even if that's the case for Celine, she's still responsible for her behavior, you know. And uh, if anything, she's the one who made the dance uncomfortable when her friend was trying to make peace with her and had every right to ignore her and have nothing to do with her. And um, she's the one who took it where she did and made him feel he had no choice but to exit the situation. She did that. Now, again, I don't think she was going to say what he thought, but I do not blame Bray for saying stop. Like, I'm not even going to allow you to continue this conversation. You're making mm-hmm. me uncomfortable. We've already been here, you know? And mm-hmm. and it also shows respect to Danny, too. You know? Like, I shouldn't even be dancing with you because of what you did and how that makes my girlfriend feel. I'm out. I'm out of here. See ya. Yeah. So, let's just say hypothetically, if Bray and Danny were to get married in some make-believe season, would it be fine for Ebony to kiss him? A cheat. Yeah, because he didn't choose her. If he invited her to the wedding, <laughs> and yeah. you know, and they're in the receiving line, yeah, I don't think it'd be anything weird if she just gave him a kiss on the cheek and said, "Congratulations." You know, yeah. I wouldn't blame uh, Danny for eyeing her, <laughs> but mm-hmm. as long as that's all she did, I wouldn't say that it was inappropriate. You know, that's interesting. Interesting. There are people who would have thought it would, would be crueler if he completely ignored Celine on her wedding day, mm-hmm. even though he'd still be within his rights to do so. But well, I know people who would think that would be the better thing to do. Ignore yeah. them completely. That's a choice. That's a choice. And I wouldn't say they're wrong for it, but that's not who he is. Yeah, but if he would have ignored her completely on her wedding day while living in the same, basically in the same house as her, mm-hmm. it just, it would have showed that yeah, he was uneasy with the wedding, and with what he did now, he 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 showed support. Who cares what he thinks? It's not his wedding. Celine would have sought Bray out regardless. I think <laughs> if Celine was going to say what most people think she was going to say, then I think she would have sought him out regardless. Mm-hmm. Like if Bray had stayed away from her and she wanted to talk to him and tell him that she's made a mistake, mm-hmm. then she would have sought Bray out regardless of him ignoring her. Like, I'm just saying. I agree with that. If that's the belief that that's what she was going to do, Bray ignoring her wouldn't have stopped Celine from seeking him out for that conversation. You know? This is a leader who's trying to show support to the people in his tribe and trying to let Celine know that, yeah, that weird thing happened between us, but I want us to be okay. Yeah, because he still sees her as his friend. His messed up friend, but still his friend. Okay. The last thing I'll say is, it's literally the end of the world. I'm not going to blame Celine for just going YOLO in this situation. (laughs) 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 You all do the same. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Let's say if you're going to marry your significant other right now, and then literally who shows up at your wedding is... I don't know, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Gosling, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan, you're taking that <laughs> shot. <laughs> the world is coming to yeah. an end. Okay, if Jay was there, you're taking that shot. <laughs> <laughs> Hell no. 
kudos to the actors though that was an incredibly awkward moment mm-hmm. yeah i felt it all of that awkwardness <laughs> just came across mm-hmm. and well well done <laughs> like even the body language of the dance like bray when he initiates the dance he's looking to keep a certain physical distance between them in the dance mm-hmm. Aline crosses that line and pulls him in close and he immediately you can see his reaction like whoa that's not the kind of intimate dancing I was looking to do, you know, with you. I was looking to be more middle school, you know, my hands on your hips and your hands on my shoulders. And then she pulls him in and he's like, ha ha, I had that. Okay, okay, I'm already uncomfortable. And then she starts to talk in and starts saying, you think I made a mistake? And he's like, oh, no, exit, exit strategy. I'm out. No, I'm bailing out. I'm jumping out of the plane. I'm gone. Mm-hmm. And finally reacts to her the way he should have when she first assaulted him. Cut it out. Stop. Get away from me. You know. And uh, and then she's all. Yeah, but I think the first time he didn't expect her to act like that. Yeah. So at least we can see Bray learn something from. He you know. Learning. That's yeah. What he... <laughs> he definitely learned something. He's showing growth. He he definitely learned something, but I think people just need to have more of a Zandra approach to this. Take no chances. They're not invited to the wedding. I don't want them there. You don't look at them. You don't speak at them. <laughs> None of that. Well, yeah, that's true. But again, it wasn't his wedding to invite anybody. It was their wedding. No. They invited him. So. True, 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 true. If anyone would have had reason not to want Bray there, it would have been Ryan, not Bray. And he is the leader. I mean, you can't have the, yeah. <laughs> the tribe not there. <laughs> okay, did anyone else get this flavor from Bray? I got a little taste of disgust at her actions. Now, keep in mind, he made excuses for her trying to assault him. He said she's just not all right in the head. She's got a lot going on. Making excuses for her, he immediately forgave her. He went searching for her. He was concerned for her. He defended her. All of that. And then she and he, she comes back, and she and Ryan are getting married. He was genuinely happy for them. So imagine what he's thinking. Okay, that was just some weird slip up. Celine was going through some stuff, but she's marrying Ryan and they're going to be happy together. Yeah. He defends them when, you know, Danny's like, yeah, this is d- bizarre, dude. One bride doesn't love her husband and the other doesn't believe in marriage. And he's like, hey, you know, come on, Danny. You know, he had faith. He was believing in Celine mm-hmm. and Ryan. So for Celine to exactly. quote unquote come on to him at her own wedding. I feel like Bray felt disgusted by her actions. Like, what the mm-hmm. fuck? You stood up there before all of us and said you're going to take this man as your husband. And now I feel like you're coming on to me. What the heck is going on with you, Celine? Get away from me. That's what I felt was coming from him at that moment. YOLO. Exactly. <laughs> no, exactly what Liz said. Not what you said. Like, I thought you loved this guy. Like, what are you doing? Why did you just marry him if you're going to start saying this stuff to me? I mean, come on. Right now, Lex is more of an adult in a decent relationship than Celine is. Uh... I don't think Bray ever thought he'd see today that Lex would be, you know, the better person when it comes to things like this. The better person than Celine. As of now, sure. Just, uh, Celine, sorry, honey, but you disgust me. <laughs> I mean, let's let's talk about the other person in this marriage, because while this is all happening in the background, Ryan presents to Celine his present, which is a special transformation of the mall area into a Venice-inspired honeymoon suite. 
with the help of Casey and Dow. But Celine can barely muster even a fake smile for events, and this eventually leads to Ryan trying to help with the cleanup after feeling completely neglected and unloved. Sounds like a typical honeymoon. Oh, oh Ryan. <laughs> oh, God. He's so sweet and oblivious. I must ask the question, Celine. If you were going to trick Ryan into marrying you, you're telling me you couldn't fake it for a day? This is your bag. This was on you, Celine. Okay? This was your idea to, to get married and to, you know, all yeah. trick Ryan. And yet you're already punishing him. And it's like, why? Why did you do this? What is wrong with you? It just felt so stupid of her. Here he was, arranging this perfectly lovely romantic scene for her, strange as it may be, doing the best he can under the circumstances, while, meanwhile, she wanted to marry him so she could pass off this baby as a honeymoon baby, and then she doesn't want him to touch her? Come on. Not even that, she's disgusted at him even touching her. I mean, in all fairness, that's the only point I'll give to her. That is something you see happening with pregnant women, but yeah, it's just knowing the fact that she would have been totally fine and instantly undressed if it had been Bray. Uh, mm-hmm. Imagine if Celine, instead of jumping into marriage, had, again, just sugar-talked him and got them back into a relationship. She would have been able to see, can I fake this with him? Mm-hmm. She would have had the opportunity to realize, no, I actually can't stand it when he touches me. I can't even fake it. But instead, she jumped the freaking gauntlet and now she's totally stuck and can't even tell him, like, let's say you're right. She's just turned off because of her hormones. That's possible. But now she can't even tell him that. She can't even be like, yeah. these pregnancy hormones, sex is the last thing I want. She can't even say that because she'd have to admit she's pregnant. Yeah. And she doesn't even say something like, wow, I'm just so tired. Planning a wedding is exhausting in 24 hours, you know. Let's just sleep tonight. That, a lot of married couples do that. A lot of people will say, we didn't sleep on our honeymoon because we were Absolutely. so exhausted. You know, she doesn't give him anything to work on. It's like, no, you can't even smile at the gift that he gave you. Like, wow, this is actually super sweet. You know, he's not even touching you right now, mm-hmm. but you can't even fake a smile for this. Like why she's playing victims so hard mm-hmm. right now. Poor, poor me. And it's like, I don't feel an ounce of sorry for you because you didn't have to be here. You you orchestrated this whole thing yourself <laughs> with no pressure from anyone else to do this whatsoever. And, and now, like, I, it was such a sweet gift. Yeah. It was such a sweet gift. Wasted. Wasted. I do wonder what would have happened with this moment if she ha- had not had just had race rejection just before that. Would she have been able to muster up, you know, that little smile if... She had not just been in Bray's arms. Who knows? Because she had no problem smiling at Trudy and saying, I do. I take this man without an ounce of hesitation. So where'd all that courage go? What what happened? I'm still thinking she was just picturing saying that with Bray as her groom in her head. That's the only way I can explain Celine smiling at that point if she feels so disgusted by Ryan. She must have faked faked him being someone else in her mind. I'm just so sad for Ryan. He's just like, yeah. I've tried to I've tried all this just to just to make this moment a bit happier for both of us. <laughs> yeah. like, you can't even get can't even get a smile. Can't even get a this is nice. Can't even get like a 
okay, let's just enjoy this little moment together. No, none of that. So he's, he's like forced to, oh yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll clean up. While well, Alex is all, <laughs> yeah, it's a tiring work. I'm off to round three. Just, just sad. Um, in all fairness, he didn't ask her what she wanted for her honeymoon. He just gave her something. Didn't know how she was going to react to it. Although the jester was very nice, very kind. Um, I remember when I first watched this scene, or probably the second time I watched it, I got like really sad because it was so fun to see Dahl and, and Casey together knowing what's going to happen in the upcoming seasons of everyone just like separating. Mm-hmm. But uh, he could have he asked her what she wanted for a honeymoon. <laughs> I think it was an incredibly sweet gesture, especially given the circumstances. You know, uh, it, was, it was thoughtful. And that's what's really important about gifts. You know, um, in their circumstances, what would their honeymoon have been? Like, we know what Lex and Zandra's honeymoon was. It was just them locked away in their room for a few days, not seeing anybody and having food brought to them and, or slipping out every now and then to make food. That was their honeymoon. Neither of them ever dreamed it would be anything more because of the world they lived in. Zandra wasn't like, gee, this is what you need to do for our honeymoon, Lex, because she knew it wasn't realistic. She knew it couldn't happen. They were just happy to be together. Lex and Tysan, same thing. Their idea of a honeymoon is chilling in their bed, eating between bouts of you know, tackle football and all that stuff. And, um, you know, Ryan actually thought outside of the box, like, what would our honeymoon be? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, realistically, it's here in the mall, in our room. But I could still make that special because I can't ever take her someplace, you know. And just the thought that went into pretending they were going away for their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. And the fact that she can barely even smile at the thought you know, it's just a thought that someone put into this. We rope our friends into serving us drinks, you know, and our friends are dressed all sharp. They're dressed nicer than they were for the actual wedding. You know, <laughs> all this for me, just because he knows this isn't something he can actually give me. I just, you know, want it to be special these days in our room that we're going to spend. And you can't even smile at that. I get you not wanting this guy to touch you. But you can't even be like, wow, thank you. Like, this is really cool. A gondola bed? Come on. That is like, <laughs> you know what work that took? This guy didn't even know where to get a ring, and he crafted a gondola bed. He was up all night doing mm-hmm. it, you know? And you can't even smile at him. You can't even say thank you for mm. giving a crap about Wait, ring. she never saw the ring before the wedding day? Oh, shut up, Carla. Is <laughs> <laughs> that not a thing? <laughs> <laughs> Women will go crazy if you don't show them the ring before that. <sighs> I get it. It's post-apocalypse, right? Rules have changed, but still, she's not that far off crazy for not liking it. She should be more appreciative, absolutely, but she doesn't have to like it. And then seeing Ryan just so desolate because that niggling feeling in the back of his head that Celine is not being honest with him she doesn't actually mean what she's saying to him. She's flat out lying to his face. But he doesn't want to believe that. And he just thinks if I'm patient and kind and understanding, whatever this is, will go away. Mm-hmm. Just seeing that. Like, mm. how do you do that to somebody? No words. <laughs> just gone. Nope. I mean, we've talked about villains in this show quite a lot. But when it comes to emotional crap, Celine wins. Oh, yeah. The kindest thing she could have done was just tell Ryan, I don't want, you know, like she said, when they broke up, that was the kindest thing 
she did for Ryan was just breaking up with him, you know, mm -hmm. admitting that this isn't working and she doesn't want it anymore. That as much as it hurts him, it is, it's not cruel. It's just realistic. It's just real and honest. This is cruel and selfish and unnecessary. And I mean, come on, if she was only going to marry him for the baby, uh, the least he could have done was just stick with her plan then. I understand what both of you are saying. I truly do. But I cannot, I could never imagine marrying someone and then planning a whole secretive honeymoon and not telling them at all what it's about. When are we going? In a normal circumstance, I would agree with you. I wouldn't want my partner just to make those kind of plans without me. In this circumstance, that is not the case. I'm not on your side here whatsoever. Oh, Ryan oh. didn't do anything wrong by making their room look a little special. That's where they were going for their honeymoon, Carlin. All he did was decorate it. Yeah. And you're acting like, well, he should have asked her how he's going to decorate it for this one night. Give maybe, me a she break. Wants to, no. maybe she wants to go to the Stop beach. It. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Cut it out. It's too dangerous outside, Carlos. You don't know it's that. They, okay. You say it's too dangerous. They go out every time. Like the honeymoon, he could have had the most fantastic place organized. It wouldn't matter. She doesn't even want to marry him. So, like, regardless, it doesn't even matter. <laughs> You're right, Lance. It doesn't matter. So I'm not wrong. Regardless <laughs> of what Ryan had done to that room, if they had simply, even if the room looked the way it always did, Celine was going to respond the way she responded. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter where they are. What matters is who she's with. And she doesn't want to be with that person. Yeah. R Ryan could have taken her to the beach or anything. And it's, it would have been the same outcome. He, she, she does not want to be in this situation. I mean, I do agree. She definitely doesn't want to be there. And she should be more appreciative for him at least doing something. But it's still wild to me. <sighs> okay. Well, we'll come back to sleep in a moment. Um... But let's move on to The Chosen again. Now, Alice, kneel and praise the name of our master. <laughs> yes? He can take your mighty suit. And you can shove him when the sun don't shine. So after running into Patsy outside and getting garbled information about Ebony, Alice heads to the hotel to see if she's okay where she finds the Chosen taking over. The Guardian immediately displays his power by sending a militia member, who was the last to raise his hand to join them, to death by throwing them off the roof. Alice, however, isn't swayed and she refuses, resulting in the Guardian locking her up and he later visits her, saying her willingness to die for what she believes in will make her a strong member of the Chosen, before trying to win her over by taunting her about Lex and her sad life. So yeah, what did you make of these scenes between Alice and the Guardian? It's fun to actually see the garden at play again. Watch how his methods shift and morph depending on the circumstance. All of this is a show of power. It's all about breaking another person. So we see him start with his basic method of power, fear. He's, you know, he's got these militia on their knees, which those poor guys, as dumb as they are, they were loyal to Ebony. I'm sorry, guys. Especially Roof Guy, he didn't deserve that crime. I mean, mm. Even the others were crying for him. Like, no, that's our friend. Oh. But that's your basic, just scare people into following you by showing what you'll do to those who don't follow you. Basic. And then Alice challenges him and brings Zoot into the conversation. It ups the ante for him. He could just kill her. He could just throw her off the roof. 
but he has to now prove that he, he's got to prove something to her now. You know what I mean? He's got to prove to the others that he broke her because she stood up to him because she didn't let the fear mm-hmm. method win. So now he's got to go about it a different way. And then we see the new way he goes at Alice by breaking her down and attacking her vulnerabilities. I just really loved seeing the way Jaffa, all his different methods of getting into your head, you know? And he, he has such a good point, you know, that breaking Alice would, you know, make her a very strong member of the Chosen. Because she fights for what she believes in, so if he can get her to believe in their cause, she would be a strong addition to the, to the cause, you know? But I just, I, I love seeing this scene, because it shows both the way Jaffa works, but also Alice's strength. And, you know, his capability to just pick exactly at those little things that will upset her. I mean, the the whole sad, poor, sad Alice thing, it's, yeah, I mean, I know how he's trying to get to her and how that could have worked. It also speaks to the fact that Jaffa doesn't just want brainless, unthinking minions. Yeah. Think about it. If that's all he wanted, he would have killed Alice immediately. A strong-willed person in the Chosen? No, you don't want that if you want them to just be brainless. Mm-hmm. No, he does want strong people who can think and be loyal. And that's why he wants to break Alice, you know. But yeah. he does have his limit because there'll be some where he's like, no, you're not worth it. I'm getting rid of you. You're a danger to me. Yeah. But I just think it's interesting because it's just like he doesn't just want you to be an idiot, you know. He, he likes her fire, even if it was a challenge for him. Yeah. And then it speaks to his ego that he wants to break her. Mm-hmm. And you should have thrown her off the roof, Jaffa. I, I love Alice, but that was the smartest move. Get rid of her. She's too strong willed <laughs> for you. Throw her off the roof. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You'll never break this woman. <laughs> nope. Yeah, this whole scene, <clears throat> it reminds me of a quote that I just watched on Star Trek. And, and the quote says, torture and execution is such a precise instrument that can only be used at certain times to strike fear into the hearts of communities and your enemies. And watching the scene, I feel like that's exactly what Jaffa does. Um, Because I feel like if he really wanted to, he would just execute everybody, right? Everyone he sees, everyone across the street and this, like that, uh, this, that, and a third. But it's really all about striking fear into the people's and people's hearts and how to control them with fear. So it's really cool, really cool to see uh, the acting is superb from both both of these actors. Mm-hmm. Um, absolutely awesome to see. I also like how her defiance makes him lose his temper at first. Mm-hmm. He has to recalibrate before he enters that room and then come at her from a different angle. Like he's first, he's mad at her defiance. Like he, he like when he has her dragged away, what does he say? He's yelling, "Zoot will not fail." He's angry. His use of fear hadn't worked. She'd showed him up in front of his own people and the rest of the militia. Mm-hmm. He actually loses his temper at her strong will. But when he comes into the room, notice he's cool, calm, and collected again. And he comes at her from a completely different angle. He doesn't use fear. He's not trying to scare Alice. He's just trying to pick at her vulnerabilities. You have to think about mm-hmm. that and come at her from a whole new angle. Okay, how that scaring her ain't going to work. She's not afraid of me. She's not afraid of dying. Okay. So what's the first thing he does? He compliments her. You know, you're willing to 
fight die for what you believe in. That's like a good thing. And then immediately pulls out her vulnerabilities, all the reasons her life sucks and that the chosen could make it better. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just, I, I like that too. Like you had to calm down. <laughs> he was pissed. <laughs> How dare you make me look like a fool in front of all these people by not being afraid of me? You know, now I have to prove to these people I can break you because you've challenged me. I have to let them see that, that if I, if I can't scare you, I can break you. I have to prove that to them and to myself. So now I have to find another way to get under your skin. Uh, but think about what he could have accomplished if he did manage to get Alice on his side. That would have been terrifying. I just can't ever see it. I can't. Alice can even fake it. Like, she didn't even have the patience to pretend to be a chosen. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> she was like, nope. <laughs> no. I don't think so. You know, I've, I've, I've always wondered about that. Because, like, in these cults and situations, are like, when you break someone, like, the, that process, you, you, they'd lose that fire that was what you interested mm-hmm. in them in the first place. Like, they yeah. wouldn't still have that fire when they're broken by you. I, I never... I, I don't know, that, it's always been weird to me. I know. I've understood that. I don't think Jaffa ever really thought about that, though. That she wouldn't be the way she is if he broke her. Mm. I think he just... Because, you know, no matter what, there are people who respected Alice for you know, who she was, the way she was. And it would just be, you know, another lovely mark on his belt saying, Ooh, I conquered this person, this person, this person. See, they're all following me. Look at me, I'm so great, I managed to get them to follow me. Well, passion can't always be broken out of them. It's more that you break down the reasons for their passion and redirect that passion. Yeah. So I think that's yeah. what he, like, okay, if Alice was the type who could, you could do that, I think that's what he would want to do. He wouldn't want to destroy the fire, he'd just want to control the fire, you know? And mm-hmm. so... You're still breaking the person, but it's more like you're breaking their pieces apart so you can reassemble them where you want them and how you want them. Some parts of us never go away, but they can be redirected in how we feel. Like our ability to love, even if someone breaks us, we may never lose our ability to love. But if you broke us down, you could control how we love and who we love. Because the passion's still there, but they're now holding the reins of our passion. So, I mean, it can be argued that breaking someone doesn't mean that they can they lose every fundamental part of themselves. It's more just that you've built up them in the pyramid you want them to be and re- have redirected those passions and that fury or that fire where you want it to be pointed to, like turning friends against each other or, you know, like convincing your kid not to like their other parent and <laughs> making them loyal to you instead. The loyalty is still there. You've just managed to make them loyal to you. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a dog will always bite, but you can decide who the dog bites, when the dog bites. You know what I'm saying? Like they never lose the ability to bite, but you can teach them who's uh, worthy of that <laughs> well directed i'll give him that it's a really mm-hmm. good scene joff is very intimidating i hate him picking at alice's vulnerabilities you can see the oh, pain yeah. in her face at him poking at the very things that hurt her the most right now and the, and then you can just imagine him saying this to other children no parents no boyfriend he's basically telling you you have nothing to live for but the chosen could give you something to live for 
And I just love how she, her only response is, damn you. You know what I mean? Damn you use my pain against me. Mm. You know, and uh, I, I, that was nice power move. Yeah. Great acting. Lighting is really nice. It does clarify things, you know. It puts things in perspective. Because if he is able to just get Alice to even, you know, feel bad for a second, imagine how easily he could have won others over. Yeah. People that aren't as strong as Alice. I like how he boasts to her. She's just like, you're just a bunch of brainwashed losers. He's like, losers who are about to take over the whole city. And she has no response. <laughs> She's like, all right, mm-hmm. you win that round. <laughs> Mullet me. <laughs> and even here, she actually defends Lex and Tyson, which I also thought was very sweet. Like, speaks to her love for them. And he's like, you know, you loved him and your best friend came and stole him away. And she's like, it wasn't like that. You know what I mean? Like, don't talk about these things. They hurt. You don't know. You don't get to talk about them. You know, you don't get to say that crap about these people I love. You don't understand. It's not your business. <laughs> Keep my wife's name out your mouth. Zoot, take away my fear. And what are Zoot's four wishes? To live in his followers, to destroy his enemies, to bring power and chaos, and to free us from tomorrow. Wonderful. You are a true chosen. So, is killing not wrong anymore? Patsy, the thing is, we don't have to worry about right and wrong anymore. Suit decides for us. After she finally makes it back to the mall, she seeks out Trudy for comfort before realising that Trudy knew all along what was going to happen to Ebony. Trudy then tries to explain the situation to Patsy, remind her how evil Ebony was saying that it was all Zoot's will and that there is no need to worry anymore about right or wrong as Zoot will decide everything for them. Uh, so yeah, what do you make of that scene and the chosen teachings on display here by Trudy? Brainwashing 101. I mean, first she goes on this and then she starts making Patsy recite, you know, the basics of the chosen's teaching. First to remind her what things are as they should be, they will get better. And, you know, even having an answer as you don't have to worry about right or wrong anymore. Suit decides for us. You know, it's mm. it kind of feels rehearsed, but it also feels like something they told Trudy time and time again while she was captive. Yeah, and I think that's what she she has to believe this in order to you know herself cope with what happened and to be able to accept the situation. And well, in all honesty, from Trudy's perspective, I get why she doesn't care that something bad would happen to Abby. You know, but yeah, the way she explains it to Patsy, she's both scared that Patsy will mess things up, but she she has no other way to explain this to Patsy to keep her within the fold and under control. Patsy's reaction, I well, when it confirms yeah. that she clearly didn't think about what she'd been ordered to do, never gave it any thought, and then had no idea that that's what they meant, that they were going to hurt Ebony. And is very distraught that she played a part in it. Like, it's my fault. I had, I'm had i the one who led her there. And you didn't tell me that this was going to happen. And then her realization that Trudy knew. Trudy sent her on this mission to do something that she'd never want to do. And feels terrible that she did. And uh, Trudy's scramble is to comfort her. To get her brain back in where it needs to be. To think this is okay. And of course, this is just an illustration of what was bashed into Trudy's head over the weeks that she was completely isolated and having her child used against her. 
repetition is the first line in belief. You know, you hear something mm-hmm. enough, it just becomes true. You know, it's all it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, I do, oh, oh my gosh, this little actress, she does such a great job mm-hmm. of expressing someone who wants desperately to believe that this person she loves and trusts is right about this. And yet there's still all of that doubt in her eyes because she saw it with her own eyes and she's still not okay with it. But she wants to believe that if Trudy says it's okay and that I didn't do anything wrong and that this, is, this was Zoot's will, that it's, it's all right, but it goes against everything she's been taught her entire life. Mm-hmm. And it clearly didn't comfort her because we'll see in the scene later that she's still very distraught over it. Mm-hmm. She's not at peace. She's not sanguine over this. Good job, sweetheart. You did a fantastic job conveying those emotions. Like, I just don't know if I can trust you anymore. You sent me to do this thing, and you knew what was going to happen. We don't, we're not supposed to do things like that, you know? The Chosen aren't supposed to do things like that because you said they weren't those kind of people. You said that. And now you're expanding their lore that they do do things like that, but it's okay because Zoot's the one who decided it needed to happen. And uh, You see that, that, that first moment you see in Trudy's eyes when Patsy comes in there and says, you know, wh- what happened? And Trudy instantly goes, well, you weren't supposed to see that. I told you to come straight straight back. That's why I told you to come straight back. It's as if she didn't really have a plan for what would happen if Patsy would see anything. She just assumed that... Patsy would lead, would tell Ebony to go there, and Patsy would return as he was told. Yep, she's supposed to be obedient. I think when I first watched this scene, and especially the second time I watched it, I thought it was great, great acting, all this stuff. But how good um, Sarah Major was in this scene, mm-hmm. conveying those emotions, I got a little angry. <laughs> I got angry because, like, I thought this whole time she couldn't act. That's why they didn't really do anything with her character. And she was just there to be like an adorable, you know, girl. But now that I see these like acting skills, I'm like, why the hell didn't they let her do anything (laughs) in this series? I agree. It was a waste of her talent. They could have given her some very meaty storylines. And yeah, she's mostly relegated to cute kid in the background, you know, fussing about stuff that doesn't matter. Because she can't be in a romance because she's too young. So we have nothing mm-hmm. to do with her. That's what it really comes down to. Sorry. As soon as you're old enough to have a boyfriend, then we have all kinds of stuff planned for you. Instead, <laughs> it went to Chloe. But whatever. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like She's really freaking good. And you wouldn't know it except for these scenes where she gets a chance to show her acting chops. That kid can cry. Oh, my <laughs> word. She rips my heart out of my chest when she's allowed to. Yeah. 100% agree. Yeah. 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 I don't understand why. It's just bad. It's just bad writing. Like, they could have had her there during the trial scene, crying in the background, (laughs) looking at Ebony, the murderer of my dog. But nope. Nope. None of that. It must be sort of freeing for some of those chosen kids. Being a responsible person sucks. It does. You know, mm-hmm. you listen to this, your favorite media, when you find out that the artist who created it is a horrible person, you know, they're like, mm-hmm. I wanted a Harry Potter wand, but if I do, I'm supporting JK or something. You know what I mean? It's like, what do I do with all of my DVDs of the Cosby show? You know, like, it's really hard to be a responsible person and be ethical in your choices. So it must be a relief to so many kids in The Chosen to just be like, 
I don't get I don't get to decide. Zoot decides for me. It's not in my it's not on my hands, you know, whatever I do. It's not my responsibility. You know, I'm just following orders. Yeah, that's mainly what most of the kids in the city needed though. Someone to tell them what to do. Someone to take away those choices. And I know that sounds horrible to say, but I think some of these kids just you know, with without all the bad stuff to chose and do. For them this was you know, something that felt safer, that felt like they didn't have to think about stuff. They didn't have to worry about doing the right or wrong thing. Someone would take care of them. Yeah. So I can see why so many of them joined. Yeah, it's an illusion. You get to yeah. pretend to go back to that mindset you were before the virus happened. I don't want him to touch me. I want to scream every time he comes near me. What does Ryan think about this? That's the awful thing. He's so kind and understanding. Makes me feel even worse. May I need more time? You haven't got time. If Ryan thinks the baby was conceived tonight, you can say it's a few weeks early when it arrives. I know. But if you leave it too long, he's going to realize it happened ages ago. And then he'll know it's the only reason you married him. He might not even believe it's his. Um, I'm tired of Celine's feelings here, but what do you think of May's advice to her? I think was that May was being very realistic in this. When May is your moral compass, you know you've hit rock bottom. Like, it's fucking <laughs> Hey, she's pretty wise. When May is making sense, and it's like she's got it more together than you, you've messed up. Come on. I, I can't deny that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she makes so much sense. She's making so much sense, yeah. Re- realistically, Celine dug this hole for herself and now she has two choices. Tell him or, you know, make sure her lie is believable. Exactly. It, remember, it's not May who said, May never told her, go back and marry Ryan. You know what I mean? She nope. said, go back to the father of your child so you're not stuck doing this by yourself, especially... If he'd be happy to raise this kid. That's what May told yeah. her to do. Go back to your little mall, okay? Where you'll be taken care of and all that. Celine's the one who yeah, you know, put herself in this messed up situation. So May's like, well, since this is what you've chosen to do, if it's you're going to have to do either one, Celine. You're either going to have to sleep with him or tell him the truth. Like, it's yeah. all you've got left now. You know what I mean? Like, I'm trying to be a friend, I barely know you, and what is wrong with you? <laughs> and I mean, let's face it, she was into Ryan enough to sleep with him before. I, I don't blame her for being icked out by Ryan. When you're no longer attracted to a person, you just can't help mm-hmm. the, the The reflex, the vomit reflex, you can't help it. Like, you <laughs> wonder why you suddenly feel that way about him. I, mm-hmm. I do it a few times where I was like, I remember I had a guy that we'd been together, everything had been great, and then we separated for a while, and I started to mm-hmm. lose my feelings for him, And but I was like, I was going to give it another try when he came home, and I realized I couldn't fake it. Like, it was like, oh, I don't know what happened, I just, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not blaming him for that, the ick, you can't help the ick. But girl, make a choice, you're going to either have to swallow down the bile if you want to continue this lie or you just tell the guy the truth. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, again, hate speaking about Celine's feelings, but like, I don't even understand why what she's worried about. As as usual, like Ryan would have married her either way. I t- mm-hmm. just it doesn't matter. Honestly, I, I, yeah, I, I'm tired of her feelings. Yeah, <laughs> it just doesn't matter. Can you guys imagine how awful that wedding night was for Ryan? Now, again, I know it was bad for Celine because she didn't want to be there, but that's her own fault because she didn't have to be there. Um, but just imagine mm-hmm. now. I, Ryan, as a man who is sensitive and cares about his partner, you know that when it comes to sexual relations, he wants her to enjoy herself. He would never want to hurt her. Mm-hmm. He'd never want her to be uncomfortable. He'd always want to make sure it was good for her. Can you imagine that night for Ryan when it's so obvious mm-hmm. that his bride is not enjoying it, but keeps telling him, no, no, it's fine. You, can you imagine what that must have been like for him? Oof. That must have been mm. the worst wedding night ever. Like, that must have been horrible. Mm. Like, he probably, I guarantee there were several times where he's like, we don't have to do this. It's fine, Celine. And she, she now that she realizes we got to have sex at least tonight, if I'm going to convince them that the baby was conceived tonight, kept telling him, no, 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 it's fine. Let's keep going. But he's like, it's so obvious she's not into this. That must have mm. felt so awful for someone like Ryan. Honestly, the kinder things he could have done if she wasn't going to tell him is get him drunk enough that he would have believed they slept together. That's what Cersei would have done. Hmm? Sorry, Game of Thrones. <laughs> That's what Cersei did to convince her husband that all three of the children were conceived by him. Mm-hmm. And they weren't. <laughs> nah, that was, must have been a terrible wedding night. And yeah. I just... May is giving good advice. I really love the fact that May isn't like... She's not committed to Celine's lie. She's just supportive, like, okay, this is what you want to do. But I love what she says, like, if you want to continue your lie, you're going to have to do this. But she also says, or just tell him the freaking truth. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Everything you told me about this guy, I I don't understand why. Because remember, when Celine was telling her all this stuff, May had all these misconceptions. She just assumed that Ryan must be a monster who will beat her up or won't accept the baby or he's the one who wanted some, was in love with someone else. And Celine's like, no, 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 he's superb, he's wonderful, he's perfect. So May's like, then what is the problem here? <laughs> like, I don't understand why you're making this more difficult for yourself than it has to be. Just go back and tell the guy you're pregnant. You've just given me every reason why that's the thing you ought to do, and yet you're choosing not to mm-hmm. do that. I don't understand. I don't get it. Because May has actually clearly seen what it could have been if Ryan was a terrible person. And so she just doesn't get it, which I totally understand. She's looking at Celine like, you have it made and you're making problems for yourself. And I don't understand why. But no, I don't care about Celine's feelings anymore either. I'm like, I don't, I don't have the energy to be fair to her today. You know, like you did all of this, all of this. You're screwing over you and Ryan and you never had to because of your narcissism. I just, Every time she goes on about, I didn't want him to marry me for the baby. It's like, well, I'm sure Ryan didn't want you to marry him for the baby either, Celine. Mm -hmm. What a great learning experience. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if it was strong enough because how many fans have come around, come away from the show going, Celine and Ryan were such a cute couple. (laughs) Yeah. Lessons clearly went right over their heads. Because people only see what they want to see and only remember what they want to remember. 
they want to remember Ryan and Celine taking care of Patsy and Chloe and their happy little family. That's all they want to remember. It's not like Ryan and Celine didn't have a good moment, but I think there can definitely be an argument that their relationship has always been questionable of what it was based on from the very beginning. You know, and was it ever truly based on love or was it based on dependency, codependency? Mm-hmm. You know, and... Uh, that is a fair argument to make about this relationship, even if it had some beautiful moments. Trying to think of like every relationship in the tribe. This might be the best one <laughs> in terms of like what st- st- what can actually stay as a relationship. Celine has her faults. Don't get me wrong, but this is doable. You can live with this. What metrics are we using to classify this as the best relationship? I'm using the metrics of Ebony. No one should ever be with Ebony. No one should be with Amber either. Carlin, what you're what you're meaning to say is this is the most educational example of how things can go wrong in a relationship. I will say one of the things I really like is how the storytelling keeps contrasting the moments between Ryan and Celine with the genuine moments between Tysan and Lex. I think that's really yeah, nice. Yeah. I think that's part of the storytelling. Okay, for example, you have this moment with Lex and Tysan. They've clearly already had their first honeymoon, honeymoon bash, and they're resting together. And they have a very brief conversation about what's going to happen next. And you can tell Tysan's actually surprised at her husband's optimism because she's never known him to be an optimistic person. And mm-hmm. she likes seeing that. She's like, did you really mean what you said? And he's just like, yeah, you know, I'm just, life feels so good. I'm so freaking happy. And, and then they start talking. And they just have a very quick conversation about whether or not they want to have kids. And she just says, no, not yet. And that's it. And that's like so healthy. Like, <laughs> he's just like, you're not going to have any kids? And she's like, not yet, but we can keep practicing. Boom! Conversation was over. It was <laughs> no conflict. Let's just be honest about this. Cool, we're on the same page. And then they flipped over to Celine and Ryan, where they can't be honest with each other. I just loved how they kept doing that through the episode, showing the difference between yep. healthy working relationship and one that's super dysfunctional. Wait, like, what was a healthy relationship? Uh, uh, Lex and Tyson. Oh, get out of here. I'm not going to argue about it. Carlin, get out of here. <laughs> Carlin, if, yes. if they're having a better relationship than you, then you know you're, you're, <laughs> you've got something wrong. Yeah. I would never marry a techno spy. That is <laughs> literally you, lying to your face. You have the, the scene where Ryan's in the kitchen, desolate, looking yeah. so sad and pathetic. And he's like, oh. you guys want any help? And they're just like, dude, you don't have to help. It's your wedding night. You know, we've got it. We're your friends. That's why we did this, you know. And then, because you can see that he doesn't belong with his bride. His bride doesn't want him there. And that's how wrong that is. And then here comes Lex in his bathrobe, like, looking for food because he's having a wonderful time because he and his bride are getting on great. And he's just like, yeah, make sure you eat up, Ryan. No, 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 don't put that food away. I need to recharge and... I just love the juxtaposition mm-hmm. between the couples. It's a whole time, a whole thing. Like I thought that was really nice filming and storytelling. Yeah. Like like it never occurs to Lex that his friend might not be having a good wedding night. He's like, yeah, make sure you eat. Keep your energy up, man. Go get her. <laughs> Chloe, Chloe, wake up. What? Wake up! It's me, Patsy. What are you doing? Can I jump in with you? No. I can't sleep. 
I'm having nightmares. Well, go tell Trudy. She's your friend. I can't. Well, I can't help that. Please? Okay, that brings us to our final thoughts of the episode. So, unable to sleep as she's reliving what happened to Ebony, Patsy asks if she can get into bed with Chloe, but Chloe is unsympathetic. And after hesitating at Trudy's room, she eventually finds herself sitting alone in the cafe where she's confronted by a very much alive Ebony. So yeah, um, how did you feel about Patsy's trauma and of Ebony's grand return? So the wedding meant nobody's on guard duty? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry. I just thought it was funny that she just walked into the mall. Oh my mm. god. No guard duty is safe out there. I could have sworn that Danny and Bray just had a massive argument about this. But anyway, um... It's fine. Um, I really like Patsy's isolation. And I think it also speaks to something that many chosen probably go through. If you are in a hive mind where everyone has to think the same and there's always the chance that you'll be punished if you think outside that box, if you question anything, that means you have no one to confide in. Patsy cannot confide her doubts to Trudy. It could bring on punishment if she shows she has doubts. So she goes to Chloe, who by all rights is like, screw you, <laughs> go away. And I'm not blaming Chloe for that at all, even if I do feel bad for Patsy. Again, something also help happens in cults. That's part of the cult mentality. You can't speak up about the doubts you have. They've created an environment where it's dangerous to speak out about your doubts, to confide in anyone that you have them you're always putting on a fake smile and if someone actually came up to you and you know expressed a doubt about zoot's purpose the safest thing you could do is pretend you don't have them yourself be like oh no zoot be praised i don't know your problem because you're only suspecting that people are spying on you or checking your loyalty you know and so for poor patsy to be experiencing this before the chosen have actually really got their claws in her you know cogent i thought you know It seems so realistic, though. Her sitting there all alone, terrified, no one to turn to, and still that hopefulness when she hears a sound that sounds scary, going, Chloe, is that you? Yeah, the fact that that's the the person, the one person she Mm -hmm. thinks that would... She hopes it is. Chloe, you know, I know I have no reason to believe that you should come to me, but is it you? On uh, any child that's just like, can I sleep with you, please? Because <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> yeah. Even Cloudy won't sleep with Patsy. Nope. Ebony's grand entrance. Like, at the time when I watched the first episode, I didn't think she was dead. And I actually thought it was weird that the Guardian just assumed she was dead. And I was like, really? Like, I mean, I was fearful mm-hmm. for her life, but I didn't really feel like that had killed her. But I, I was like, are they trying to say that that killed Ebony? Really? Really? So we're walking and I was like, yeah, she ain't going down that easy. It would have killed me. I, I don't really swim that well, so. <laughs> <laughs> no. And she looked so good. She was so dramatic. But she wore that head thing. You know how that must have obscured her vision? But she did all that so she could reveal herself. Like, oh, all these theater kids are a trip. Mm-hmm. I want to get a cloak just so I can reveal myself to people. Yeah, that that is pretty funny. How um, it's like Ebony comes back from the grave to look even better than before. 
<laughs> and she does. She looks refreshed. She was like, I just needed a moment of clarity. And a good swim. And a good swim. Because <laughs> she was looking a little chaotic. You know, it was one of my least out- favorite outfits for her, least favorite hairdos for her. And then she comes back looking snatched. I was like, girl, you better work it. How lucky she was to find Patsy in the cafe. Like, who did she come to see? Was it Patsy? I was like, what if Patsy hadn't been having nightmares and had been in bed? What was, what was everybody's plan then? <laughs> she knew where Patsy would have been sleeping. But then she, I'm just saying, like, it's just funny to think of her sneaking into the bedroom, having to get Patsy <laughs> awake, hope Patsy doesn't scream for anybody while Chloe's sleeping right there. And hoping Cloudy doesn't bark. Right, like, I just think it's funny that it worked out in her favor. I think if Patsy hadn't been alone in that cafe, she would have just bided her time until she got a moment to snatch Patsy alone. I love the idea of Ebony, like, swimming out of that harbor, you know, getting, you know, safe distance, getting out, and then having a stash where she keeps her extra clothes and grooming. <laughs> and that's where she got herself fixed up. You know, like, I can't believe I had to count on this. But I knew things could go bad. And (laughs) showing up with her bright lipstick. Doesn't even have a bruise or anything on her head from where the truck was supposed to have hit her. Like, you go, girl. I completely forgot. She actually couldn't go back to the hotel. So where did she go? (laughs) Exactly. She had, like, a stash somewhere in the city that had her, you know, extra clothes and makeup and hair stuff. So she could make Mm -hmm. sure she was good when she came back. (laughs) <laughs> a queen is always prepared okay cool um, that brings series 2 episode 49 to a close thank you very much to the panel and if you'd like to take part in any future episode of the podcast please do send us a message on our Facebook page or on our website thetribe.co.uk so we'll see you next time for episode 50 until then bye bye later bye